on today's show. We preview an upcoming matchup at home against the Chicago Bulls. Bulls and a couple of Hornets in the running for the Hall of Fame. We'll tell you who. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte on a Thursday. This, David, this will be our last show before the holidays. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. We'll have a programming note coming up telling you about the next time we will be on the air. Um, but until then, uh, let's enjoy this time together. Exactly. Let's make the most of it. Let's don't trip anyone out here. Let's keep our feet to ourselves. I, oh, geez. All right. Good. I'm glad you mentioned it. There was a lot <laughs> okay. of there were a lot of basketball lot of stuff last night. happenings last night. Uh, it was a great night in basketball. First of all, you mentioned uh, Grayson Allen with the trip oh, on yeah. uh, Elon's Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? You want to give some thoughts here? This is a basketball show, by the way. We'll talk some Hornets. Don't you worry. We're going to have a preview coming up of this game on Friday against the Chicago Bulls. So this game's going to be chock full of Hornets. But let's talk about some. Let's talk about some college basketball sure, for a sure, second. Sure, sure. Well, uh, if you if you're in need of thoughts, just head on over to Twitter because they're in abundance <laughs> over there <laughs> and have been for like the last twelve hours. Here's I mean, my here's just, my thought. I think yeah. the the kick is not as bad as the reaction. Right. I'm, I'm, because, saying. you know, Draymond... The kick's pretty bad. The we've seen Draymond Green in the NBA do this thing all the time, and it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it good. But you can see in the at the professional level, we, we, we can somehow tolerate it. Uh, but it's the reaction on the bench. I mean, he was out of control. I mean, someone was having to restrain him. He was out of his mind. It was the reaction on the bench and the reaction on the court. Like, somehow he had been wronged by, by, by kicking yeah. the other guy. So it's very, and, and like, okay, so he was very contrite after the game in the locker room, right? Crying, apparently apologizing, all that stuff. I mean, knowing what I, I'm surprised he went back into the game, honestly. I mean, uh, I actually, I actually happened to flip it on right when he came back in, I was flipping around last night and he came back into like a rousing <laughs> ovation, <laughs> There's like a huge ovation, which makes sense. It's a very, very, very big, heavy Duke crowd there uh, in the arena. But, uh, you know, the announcer was like, wow, just uh, a, a really rousing ovation for, for Grayson Allen to return. And, like, he looked a little bit shaken from the part I was watching. So, um, I mean, there's calls certainly for him to be suspended. There's certainly calls for him to be suspended from from Coach K, Team USA coach, um, or the or the commissioner. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think I, I would be surprised if if Coach K actually does it, but but we shall see. Especially given his reaction to being questioned down that road in the post game press conference. But who knows? I I love all of the reactions uh, on Twitter from Duke fans that say something to the effect of, "Well, you know, he's a young man. He's learned. He's a junior." He's basically he's basically in, <laughs> yeah, at a he's high a junior level basketball program. If he if he had been a prodigy and gone to the NBA after his first year, this would be his second year in the league. Like, don't give me that. This is no. something and, and that's it, been going on for a long it. time. Yeah, right. And, right. and before the season, right, he went on and said how he was going to be, 
you know, show the real him and be the real person. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's not a, kicking people around campus. You know, it's just something he's got to get under control. But, but yeah, I think the rule here is, Doug, if you can go pro, always go pro. Because. <laughs> Hey, speaking of pro basketball, let's talk some. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports, and of course, the NBA. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. David, before we get to this preview of the Chicago Bulls game coming up on Friday, it's a giveaway game, by the way, so get there early. Get your uh, starting lineup action figure for uh, Nick Batum. It looks amazing. Uh, But before we talk about that uh, game, uh, any lingering thoughts about this Lakers uh, victory the other night? Any perspective a day later? Well, I mean, the thing that stuck with me was just the – the hole they had to dig themselves out of, right? I mean, it was fun to watch, but I think that was the, the concerning thing. You for always, me you're still. always negative. I mean, you always, I'm just, you got well, the cloud look, it was a hanging fun up. Game. It was, it was a, a fun it was game. It was an amazing game. A, it was an amazing game, but for the most, for the majority of it, it was it was frustrating to watch. Certainly, the entire first half and the comeback was great. You kind of knew it was coming, but uh, to see the Lakers just shooting the daylights out of the ball from three point land was a little frustrating, Doug. It was the second best game that I've personally witnessed. And, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, okay, I, yeah, no, even even more than some of those tense playoff games last season. The only one that beats it for me is is the opening night thriller against Milwaukee. The opening night of their return of the Hornets' return. Okay, that was just an amazing atmosphere, and then the way it ended with Kemba. Uh, basically winning it twice. Um, mm-hmm. That was an amazing. You couldn't. You couldn't have written it any better. But uh, this Lakers victory, just because uh, you had the moment with Steve Clifford gathering the troops and rallying them with a series <laughs> of hilarious, of hilarious profanities, that. and um, then the way they responded. And it was just like I said in the last show, it was a comeback. It was it wasn't just a normal nineteen point comeback where they just start hitting shots. You could see every single player on the court with a different level of intensity. And and and, and it just I looked at, I was looking at the Lakers players during this stretch run because a lot of young guys and they just look yeah. shocked. They look scared. And and when you have the ability to do that, when you can when you can shock a team like that, I think it, it says something about uh, what you can accomplish as a team. And now they just got a trend. You can't play like that though, David, for forty eight minutes. You have to you have to find some there's got to be some middle ground with the Hornets between that level of intensity that it takes to pull off a nineteen point comeback. And right. and the level of intensity that you need to have throughout four quarters to 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 win a game. I, I look at the game that happened last night between Minnesota and Atlanta, and Minnesota had this level of intensity that allowed them to stay in the game, and they, a game that they had no business being in. The Atlanta Hawks are a better team, but they played with them for three quarters, stayed in it, stayed in it, stayed in it, and then finished them off. Uh, Zach Levine hit a few threes and finished them off in the fourth quarter. Like those are the kind of games we need to see the Hornets play. Yeah, and I guess at this point in the season, coming off that road trip, I was kind of looking for them to come out and establish their dominance over a team that's that they're better than, and that didn't happen early on. So that's where some of the frustration came from, I guess. Of course, the the, the comeback is great to see. 
And they, and they finally did wake up and snap out of it, right? Even though it took not just halftime, <laughs> it took halftime and then that little spurt by the Lakers to start the third. And then the, the Clifford timeout where he, you know, talked to them like I talked to my three-year-old at the time. So that was certainly fun and entertaining. Um, but yeah, to your point, it's got to be more consistent. That's what he's been going for, right? Yeah, and but I don't think they need. I wasn't looking for them to dominate. I don't think that they need twenty point victories. I think they. Well, need, how about not give up forty one in the first? Right. I think they need okay. they need six point victories and forty eight minutes of good basketball. That's especially mm-hmm. especially good defensive basketball. That's what I you know they don't they don't need to win a game sure. by twenty to prove, was, to prove to yeah, anyone. Dominate was maybe overstating it, but just play like they're. No, play like they're they're expected to play, I guess, or like Clifford knows they can play, and like we've seen them play, right? Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about this Bulls game. The Hornets take on the Bulls Friday night. A weird fact: before the Bulls faced off against the Wizards last night, a game that they lost um, by ten, I believe, one hundred seven. I'll check the final score on that. Um, but before the Bulls faced off against the Wizards, Charlotte and Chicago shared the exact same offensive and defensive rating. Kind Weird. of kind of spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Hornets come into this one. You have to think they're feeling somewhat conflicted, a little like we are on this show, because, you know, they, they have to be confident after making that comeback. But at the same time, there's got to be some question marks about why, as you said, why it even got to that point. Um, the Bulls, on the other hand, are they're conflicted as well, I think, because they had such a uh, an amazing uh, blowout victory before the the Wizards' loss, and then just a disappointing finish at home against Washington. A game that um, they played well early on, had a ten point lead at one point, and then in the fourth quarter, uh, they just really gave it all away. David, you watched this game last night. I did as well. What were your thoughts um, about the Bulls after last night? Well, yeah, you mentioned. I mean, some of it, right? They so they beat San Antonio earlier in the month. And then they lose a back-to-back to Milwaukee, right? And then they blow the, the Pistons out. Now, that's maybe more about what's going on in Detroit right now than, than Chicago. But then they let the Wizards come in there at home and, and beat them in a game that you know was, was winnable, I think. So it's a bit strange, right? I mean, you're seeing a lot of the bloom come off the rose from the early uh, Bulls season. I mean, and we talked when we talked to Lee Ellis, this is, the Bulls are doing really well. And I asked him, do you think this is sustainable? And he didn't think so. Um, and I think it, it's hard to tell what is exactly you're going to get from the Bulls on any given night, but this is probably the time to catch them. I will say, you know, um, Jimmy Butler's still really good. Dwayne Wade is having um, a, a surprisingly good year, and he's always going to be playing well against the Hornets, it feels like. I don't care if he's in Chicago or. That's a Miami, good point. But, he's coming back you know, to the he's coming back to the mean a little bit, but yes, he, yeah. he seems like he always steps it up. He'll be returning to Charlotte where he buried the Hornets. Um, yeah. you know, buried their chances to really win that playoff series. Yeah, let's talk about so overall the Bulls offensively, they struggle from the three-point line. They started the year off shooting the three-pointer really well. It kind of surprised All a right. lot of people. That went away, but then they were able to sustain enough of a mid-range game to survive for a little while, and then that went away, and that's what you're seeing. You know, the Bulls offense now uh, really struggles, but they're last in the league overall in three-point percentage. They uh, they do take a lot of mid-range shots. Uh, they got a couple of mid-range masters, though, in that starting lineup in Dwayne Wade and Taj Gibson, who loves that little baseline uh, yeah. jumper. 
when they sub in Nikola Mirotic and Doug McDermott, that's when they're going to look to get some outside shots, though Doug McDermott has really struggled from uh, beyond the arc this season. And then Nikola Mirotic, uh, he's a guy that was bumped out of the rotation by Fred Hoiberg because of an effort issue. Uh, it seems to be okay now. I thought he played well last night against the Wizards. Um, but their strategy is, you know, on offense is to get up the floor quickly with either Rajon Rondo or Dwayne Wade. They attack early in the shot clock. Wade tries to get to the basket. Rondo likes to get to the likes to get other other defensive players staring at him as he looks for trailers. Uh, the Hornets have to stay disciplined and communicate in transition to limit easy points because. The, this offense of the Bulls, they only scored 95 points in losses this season. So you yeah. limit the Bulls' ability to, to score, and, and you can beat them. Yeah, and they're 4-10 and 10 when the opponent scores 100 points or more. So if the Hornets can get out and score, uh, and, 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 and here's, a, here's a thought. If the Hornets can get out and score and limit the Bulls' scoring, they have a good chance to win. That's a good one. Yeah, I like it. If they score more <laughs> points than the Bulls, what well, you know, uh, it, what's, how, well, but, how do you but, score against the Bulls? And one way is through transition. They allow a ton of transition points despite they love to it's, – it's, they're a funny team, honestly, because they love to run, mm-hmm. but they can't limit transition buckets. They don't like to run back. It, it's an odd thing. And here's another funny thing because I was watching this last night. They seem like a team, and we know Fred Hoiberg loves motion offense. He loves movement in his offense, and he's trying to instill that in this team. They seem like a team that understands that they need to run action. They need to move the ball because that's what the coach wants them to do. But sometimes it's done half-heartedly. For example, <laughs> the first play of the game against the Wizards, they run they run some weave action and they screen off the ball. Somebody sets a down screen, they run a little floppy action after that. And then the ball, maybe two passes later, ends up in, in Jimmy Butler's hands for an isolation play. Like you can see that they really want to do the right thing but they just they just can't and and a lot of their possessions start with a little bit of action and then end up the ball ends up in D Wade's hands or Butler's hands or Taj's hands for an ISO look and you know so if, again it's the same it's the same thing as uh, the Lakers if the shots are yeah. falling it's great if they're not you know they they can't seem to get themselves out of that ISO groove. Well, I think the physicality thing is going to be a, an issue again tonight or be a point of emphasis because the Bulls can get after you on the boards. I mean, they're, what, first in the league in offensive rebounds and second overall in rebounds per game. So um, they do thrive on second-chance second, hand, second chance points some. So the, the Hornets are going to have to keep them from getting those, right, get those first opportunities and go the other way with them. So that'll be something to look out for. And, and I mean, Gibson can also hit that mid range, but he can get he visible with up, you yeah, too. He post up. Yeah. Um, they yeah. love, they love to post him up actually. So it'll, it's going to be a challenge for Marvin Williams to really body him up. And, uh, and for some of those guards to get down, it's just tough. Cause you don't, the last thing you want to do is give, is give Jimmy Butler or D Wade an open look. And, yeah. and so you, you, you sort of, balk at this at the thought of uh mkg or uh nick batum you know digging down on a taj post up sometimes you just he, taj is having a, a almost a career season really uh but at the same time i think you have to just give him what he's going to get and, and keep d wade and jimmy butler out of the paint because butler he's averaging 8.4 free throw makes 
on the yeah. season. So he's almost got double figures and he never, without taking a shot or without, right. or without and, having a field goal registered. So, I mean, you got to keep that do, guy off the line. Yeah, they make a lot of their money at the line too, right? And they convert. I mean, they're fourth in the NBA in free throw percentage. And you mentioned Butler. I mean, he's scoring. <laughs> you know, 22 games with at least 20 points this year. And so he's their main guy. He's playing at an all-star level for sure. And we talked a little bit about D Wade earlier. You just, I mean, if you go into this game thinking you're going to be able to contain D Wade just based on his age, which makes sense. But again, I don't feel comfortable about it. Just knowing what we've seen from him in the past in Charlotte and against this team. Who covers who? Does Nick Batum cover D Wade and MKG covers Butler or do you switch or do you swap that around? Come on, coach. Who you got? I mean, I, I still think you have to put MKG on Butler at this point. He's the better player. He's a better offensive player. I think, well, gosh, I mean, I can't believe I just, you know, it's, I feel I feel scared saying that. But I think that's the right move. I mean, because you put uh, Batum on on Wade, give him a little length, make it a little harder to shoot over him. I mean, he's just so crafty. It's just like he, he knows how to use his body. He knows how to get to the, the line, get in the paint. But that's what I would do. I mean, I'm putting MKG on Butler to start. Here's what I would do. I would put... Uh, I would put MKG on D Wade early, and then well, here's another question too. Do you, we've seen the Hornets go away from having MKG in the fourth and going with um, with Marco Bellinelli Marco. for offense? I'm wondering Yikes. if we don't see MKG in the fourth in this one. If we do see MKG in the fourth in this one, I should say because. Uh, this ball likes to go to Jimmy Butler in the fourth on the offensive side uh, for Chicago. In fact, a little too much. D. Wade made some comments last night after the game uh, saying that they're putting too much pressure on Jimmy Butler no. in the fourth <laughs> by getting him the ball. And Jimmy kind of agreed uh-huh. because you saw it, David, in the at the end of that game, their offense became give Jimmy Butler the ball, isolate, and he was taking, mm-hmm. you know, back down, turn around baseline shots. And and those are awesome in the first quarter when you have your legs under you, when you've played 30-plus minutes in the fourth quarter and you're having to shoulder the load of the offense. That's tough. And D. Wade was really criticizing – he was criticizing the players, but he was really criticizing the coach, saying, you know, we've got to draw up some more some more action in the fourth quarter and not depend so much on, on our superstar. And when D. Wade speaks, you know, things tend to happen because that's that's the – you know that's the, that's the level of respect that that he's earned. Um, you know he gets to yeah. say he gets to say things like that when other players wouldn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily have the uh, the 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 gumption to say something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, but I would I would look to see if if MKG does get some time in the fourth and gets put on Jimmy Butler. But you know if if this is true, if they do really want to get some more ball action going on in the fourth quarter. Then, then a key is going to be: Can they communicate on switches? Because you could see MKG and Nick Batum and Marvin Williams having to switch. Uh, but you know, fortunately, they can do that. Can Nick Batum? Here's so I think back to that Lakers game, David, and and I watched Nick Batum play defense, and and it proved it proved the thing that I keep saying over and over: When Nick Batum wants to lock down on defense, he absolutely can. He was hand checked. I mean, he was doing everything that a defender should do on a hot shooting guard. And it just, it just proves that he can do it. And for whatever whatever reason, it doesn't happen. Sometimes it's going to have to happen in this game. I'll tell you that. 
Yeah, that's kind of the thing about Nick, though, right? It's with the scoring as well. Like, hey, you know you can do it, and you can see him turn it on. Same thing on defense. You can almost see it happening when he's more aggressive, getting up into guys, like you said, hand-checking. So I think for this one, when you got two wings, like Butler and Wade, he's going to have to. So when you see those matchups like that, they're going to need that from him. Because as you mentioned, even with Lamb, I mean, who can be a better defender, but you know that's still not his strength. I mean, they're going to have to have MKG and Batum out there because that was the design. I mean, that was the thought to have both those guys out there in a game like this when you got two good offensive wings that they're going to help you slow them down on D. And uh, you know, defensively, they are the name. The names on paper would 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 suggest they they were a really good defensive team because you got Robin Lopez underneath. He's a, a a pretty good defensive center. Taj Gibson, he can switch one through four, and uh, you, you've got. Rondo, who has a defensive reputation that may be above what his level is now. D-Wade, not really playing much defense these days. Jimmy Butler, a really good defender. So, you know, again, I think think they are – I mentioned at the top of this at the top of this preview that they're similar in defensive rating and offensive rating. I think they're also similar in terms of defensive consistency. And D Wade has made comments, other guys have made comments in, in Chicago about this that some nights they play defense and some nights they just choose not to. So hopefully when they come to Charlotte, they're not a they're not a particularly great road team. Hopefully when they come to Charlotte, they just decide, you know, tonight we're not gonna play much defense. Uh, here's a stat to know. This is actually this stat that I'm about to throw out is an argument to go ahead and play Marco Bellinelli in the fourth. The Bulls' effective field goal percentage in the fourth quarter is dead last at 41.1%. The next closest team is the Orlando Magic at 45.5%. So they are 4.4. That's right. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Yeah, I got my calculator out there. 4.4 percentage points lower than the next uh, best team at effective field goal percentage, meaning, and that just goes to what we said, this ball goes to Jimmy Butler in the mid-range over and over in the fourth quarter. Not much ball movement, not many threes, not getting to the line. So if the Bulls are already bad in the fourth quarter at offense, then maybe you just you just try to outscore them like the Wizards did. They went, yeah. they outscored right. them 30, 30 to 20. Yeah, and Doug, you know, the Bulls only two and four on the second night of a back-to-back, scoring just 92 points a game and allowing the opponents to score 103. So that bodes well for the Hornets who have had, you know, a day off in between games uh, or having two days off. Well, that, yes, yeah, so the Hornets will be yeah, a little bit more off. rested because the Bulls will get today off and then they'll, they'll, play, to, they'll play tomorrow night. Mm. But, you know, it's not a back to back. Sorry, but point point <laughs> well. No, listen, that's fine because the point is well taken. They, you know, they the Hornets are 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 going to be more rested and they'll have an extra day of practice. And you know, hey, by the way, go to youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets where uh, we did a piece on the value of two days rest uh, in terms of the Hornets. It's it's still good, still a good piece. So check that out. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there you go. Final final thoughts on the Bulls. You, you, do you like the Charlotte Hornets for a win in this one? Oh, man. Predictions again. I think you have to – this has to be another game they win. They have to play well at home. They have to get the Chicago uh, – they have to play – sorry, they have to play well against the Bulls because of that road trip last week. So, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, <laughs> it's just not inspiring a confidence. lot of confidence when we live. When we look at these teams, you know, because I mean, you would have thought the other night they would have come out and played and played well. But I do think having D Wade on that other sideline, you know, having a a team full of talented guys 
with names maybe and they'll they'll come out and want to show some things so yeah i think the hornets will come out and get this one hopefully all right let's move on to a little bit of news before we get out of here mugsy bogues former hornet from 1988 to 1997 point guard five foot three that's what he was known for he was a little tiny guy but uh he was recently nominated to uh, uh, the Hall of Fame, the NBA Hall of Fame, David. This is uh, pretty big news for for uh, Hornets fans and fans of Muggsy Bogues. He had a 10-10 and 10 season, 10 points, 10 assists uh, in 93-94. He's 19th all-time in career assist average, and he once blocked current Hornets assistant coach Patrick Ewing. He's nominated along with uh, guys like Tracy McGrady, Tim Hardaway. It's not... It's not the Allen Iverson, Shaq, Yao Ming class of last season, but there are some there's some big names in there. Also nominated former Hornets center Vladi Divac and former assistant coach for the Hornets Mark Price. But let's talk about Muggsy, David. Do you have any any thoughts on uh, Muggsy, his legacy here in Charlotte, or or any particular stories? Yeah, I mean, I will say it's a little surprising, and I mean, it's no shot to Muggsy. It's just when you think Hall of Fame, I don't know that he's never the first been an guy that, that come to mind. Yeah, and it was never an All Star. But the thing I'll say about Muggsy, and the thing I remember about him, you know, when we were going through this Steph Curry phenomenon um, last year, especially right, and you had all the kids that were relating to him, but basically because of his size, and mm-hmm. they could kind of relate to him. I mean, Muggsy was the first guy that I remember that being said of you know Muggsy like you said 5'3 was short was the same height as a lot of kids that were seeing him of course was one of the first players here in Charlotte um and when they gained some popularity you know he he gained some notoriety as well but that's what I remember about him you know Uh, all the kids loved him because he was the same height as them he was handing out assists and he was a guy that they could easily relate to so from that standpoint from like a cultural standpoint and sometimes you look at this stuff when you look at hall of fame things i mean he did make an impact in that way and they was not like he was not a good player but as you mentioned never an all-star i think that's the thing that i remember about him so much is that all the kids around here in charlotte growing up were just infatuated with mugsy more than anyone else because of that size factor yeah and the level of energy and tenacity that he had to play with to overcome the issues that he had on yeah. size i mean the way you know the the famous picture of him guarding uh, mj and mj backing him down and just seeing the size difference between the two the two guys i mean he had to give everything that he had out on the court at all times and he was just an amazing Amazing distributor. I mean, the the moves that yeah. he made uh, uh, to get the ball in the places that you, that you just you were like, wait a minute, how did he make that pass? He was doing those things all the time, and again, nineteenth all time in assists. So that's that's a big accomplishment. I don't, you know, if we're real talk, I don't like his chances of making the Hall of Fame. Mm, certainly not. Yeah. He's certainly not a first year. <laughs> I don't know if he's right. ever going to make it, but it's it's nice to be nominated. It's nice to uh, to have to have his name mentioned. Uh, with with some of the greats of all time, uh, I don't think Vladi is going in as a Hornet. I think he'd probably go in as a as a Sacramento King, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Price, of course, would go in as a Cleveland Cavalier, where he made uh, all of his moves. But I, I don't know if either of those guys really have a shot. I think it's um, you know I'm sure a couple of coaches will get in. Tracy McGrady will certainly, in my mind, I think he's a first first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, uh, Tim Hardaway, T-Mac. maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but t- but Tracy McGrady for sure. All right, well, holiday programming schedule announcement time. No show Friday morning, no show tomorrow morning, no show on Monday morning. We'll have a great recap show, though, on Tuesday. Follow us on Twitter for game for live game tweets and thoughts. And, of course, 
readatthehive.com for the same great analysis that you get here all the time. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Hornets questions, thoughts, send them over. BuzzBuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug, wishing you the happiest, happiest of holidays. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.